Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. But who reads this book is going to be really bored. It's a prequel to the sequel of the prequels for the sequels of the original. And welcome to the NBA, where everything is made up and the points don't matter. Guard your butts, because Soup's here on this episode of The Shakedown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Shakedown podcast. I am Austin Stevens. With me, as always, Dan Schweizer and Dylan Webster. Also joining us today is Soup. Hi, how's it going? The infamous Soup Soup. It's, the infamous Soup Soup. It's all right, Soup. This week's episode is sponsored by alcohol. <laughs> Don't drink and drive, everybody, because I've hit multiple people. With golf balls. <laughs> okay, Austin, let's get into Gingtum while right. Soup laughs. Soup, you gotta, you're going to be laughing through this whole thing. Uh, probably. All right, so actually, before we get into Gingtum, I have a story that I have to share with you guys. Ooh, I like stories. Um, so story it was, time. It was my birthday last Saturday on the 4th. Yes, it was. And me and some of my work friends went out to dinner at my favorite restaurant in Manhattan Beach, the Fish Bar. And me and some of the other guys were already there waiting. And So I'm hearing this secondhand from one of my other friends that this happened to. But she pulls up, mm-hmm. Cynthia pulls up in her car, parks at the side of, on the side of the road at a meter. And this older couple comes up and knocks on the window. So she rolls her window down. And the guy says, hey, are you here for Austin? So her just like in the moment, she's thinking like, oh, they must also be here for Austin's party and seeing if I am. So she says yes. And these people start getting into her car. (laughs) So they thought that she was an Uber. And just by sheer just universe coincidence, Someone else named Austin was at the fish bar and called an Uber and thought it was my friend Cynthia there to oh pick them up. Gosh. Holy hell. Oh, so naturally, she just drove him around that LA. That's so funny. That is amazing. None no, of the really. other are two people named Austin. I know. That's just crazy. Yeah, like, I thought you were the only person named Austin. I'm literally the only person in LA named Austin. I don't understand. He really did think that. Soup's an idiot. Let's establish that really early here. (laughs) We might as well well set the bar for Soup very low. (laughs) He has never met anyone else named Austin. He sincerely believes. That's false. Okay. Geekdom. Like I said last week, I read 1984. Yeah, you did. Finally. Um, Don't. Dylan was really upset that we didn't have to in school. Yeah, you guys were literally two years behind me we in school. Were, yeah, I don't understand well, why we didn't what? have they to. you know they wised up. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they realize it's that. not that great of a book. Okay. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I could have told them that. So, so Dylan, you didn't like it either? When, what, when was 1984 written? Okay, so let me pull this up. First of all, Sue, have you read it? <laughs> uh, I remember bits and pieces. I remember no, having to read it. Uh, in one of my English classes, I believe, what, junior year? Why did Soup have to read it? He's the same grade as us. Okay, so Dan, you have not read it. No. Do you care if it's spoiled? Oh, not even a little bit. (laughs) Okay, The book is terrible. So, here we go, everybody. (laughs) Here we go, everybody. This is, there will be spoilers. So, spoiler alert for a book that is 90 years old. Oh no, spoilers for a book. I don't know how old it is. I can't do math right now. Okay, no. (laughs) Like I said, I can't do math. It was written in 1949. 40s, okay. Yes. We 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 got there. So it's almost 70 years old. Yeah. So, this was written in 1949 by George Orwell. Uh, He also wrote, like, kind of an accompanying book. Uh, called Animal Farm, which I can talk about that a little bit after we're done with it, okay. with 1984, because I also read that. Um, so it takes place 
in London, uh, but it, it's like a dystopian future. Well, past now, because it takes place in 1984, which was the future. Right, right, right. But it was written in the four, in yeah. 49s. So. Yeah, so it takes place in London, England, but in the dystopian future, London is now called Airstrip 1, and it's part of Oceania, That's which right. is a territory. And it's never really made clear, mm. like, what, how it's the world is split up, but... We, how the world fell apart in 40 years? Yeah. I, but so there's the there's the territories of Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia, and it's never really made clear what like where the territories are. So I kind of looked up a map of like how people have guessed, and Oceania Oceania is just the United Kingdom. So and uh, and ireland yeah like that's oceania and then ireland is pretty much part of the uk so i I think yeah but i think technically and it's it's just an an island so it's all surrounded by the sea so that kind of makes sense oceania yeah so that's all oceania technically every continent um yeah uh east asia is southeast asia so like china and uh india and taiwan and Thailand and like all of that stuff and Mongolia. And then Mongolia. Uh Eurasia is all the rest of Europe and then North Asia. Then what happened to all of the Americas? It's its own thing. There's a bunch of disputed territory in there. And they just don't really Yeah, they don't really talk or care about it. All of North Africa is like a war. A war zone. So, like, it is in reality. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the book is slowly coming true. It really yeah. hasn't changed. So, so quick summary Brexit. of this book. Hashtag Brexit. For people that haven't read it and don't care if it's spoiled. So, the main character is named Winston Smith. And hmm. he works at the Ministry of Truth. Which... Um, there's four ministries in this government. The Ministry of Plenty, which deals with food and stuffs. Uh, the Ministry of Love, which deals with punishment. Ministry of Peace, which deals with war. And the Ministry of Truth, which deals with distorting the truth for But what about so, uh, the Ministry of Magic? Uh, it's actually not in this one. It, has, it, se- it seems already, like this is kind of like, like a uh, socialistic... It's exactly socialist. Yeah. It's, and that's why I don't like it because it's basically a socialist handbook with a little bit of story sprinkled in. Okay. But Bernie Sanders. That makes man. sense. Given the given the time frame that it would have been written in, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because yeah. it was supposed to be like, here is a warning for what could happen. Don't mm-hmm. let this happen. <laughs> right, because it was written in the beginning of the red sca- of the red scare. So yeah, yeah, basically, makes, yeah. Virginia of the Cold War, so yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, like, it's a good book in the sense that it's very well written, it's mm-hmm. thought out, like, very well developed world, but, mm-hmm. like, you know how a lot of the problem with, like, stories today, people say, like, oh, there's just too much exposition, like, it's too much, like, talking at uh-huh. the audience, this book is yeah. 50% talking at the audience. Oh, yes. <sighs> it's like... Wow. Just w- like... Oh, my gosh. Just the narrator... For three chapters, just the narrator explains how this socialist government works. Okay. And like, then... It, like, imagine if Shawshank Redemption was narrated by a boring white guy instead of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what 1984 is, and so like AIC beat Bradley. All right. It's a very interesting concept, but it's not a a novel. It's like half novel, half socialist handbook. And there's even like there's like right. it's it's like novel slash propaganda against socialism. Yeah. Yes, and even in this book, there is a book about the government and for five chapters winston reads aloud from the book 
So it's no way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For five chapters, like, I know literally, literally five that. chapters. There's a book within a book. Yeah. Bookception. So Winston, the main character, has a book, and his girlfriend Julia says, "Read it to me." So Winston <laughs> opens it, and for five chapters, every paragraph begins and ends with quotes because it's just Winston reading from this book, basically to the audience, explaining how socialism works. No part of me is sad that I didn't have to read it. <laughs> it's so boring. Like, wait, no. I literally walked into class, like, every day, and, like, I'm going to waste my life. Actually, now that I think it... I'm going to waste parts I, of my life that actually, I'm never no. going back reading this book. I think about it. I think I had to read this book for college at Heartland. Not Congratulations. You went to PC South and had to read it. <laughs> so... No kidding. Like, it would be a good story if it was, like, 50 pages. If it, it could be a really good short story where it's just, like, here's the basics of the government. Like, you can kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah. Oh. But it doesn't. It explains literally everything. And, like... Okay. So, like, there... There is some really good symbolism and stuff like that. Like Winston uh-huh. Winston falls in love with this girl Julia and the government its whole thing is that it suppresses everything so that there is no individuality. Everybody is just a cog in the machine to run the government. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, right. Um but Winston meets this girl Julia and they fall in love and they find this place where there's also constant surveillance. Like, you know, the phrase like big brother is always watching you. Yeah. yeah. And it's cause there's <laughs> these little cameras on the telescreens that so are, it takes it literally. Yeah. yeah. Like well, he's always watching. He's always listening. And Winston has this little place in his house, like in a corner where he can write in a diary. And this is in like the first chapter he writes down with big brother. So it's kind of like, He's starting to feel this rebellious side of him. But he's also very fatalistic, which means that he's uh, very pessimistic and does not see an end to anything. Um, But this girl, Julia, that he meets is very optimistic. Um, I actually, uh, eh, never mind. Shut up, soup. They have a nice contrast between each other. So that's like, it's a good love story in that sense. But it's also a terrible love story because nothing becomes of it. <laughs> oh, what? They it's do have t- book sex, though. <laughs> yeah, they do have a lot of sex. They find places like, where Big Brother can't watch them and they have sex. And they read from the socialist book. The socialist handbook. While well, they're having sex? Because it, I, I, no, it, after I guess it, and before. I guess it turns them on. Okay, so anyway... So this dude O'Brien um, pretends, says that he's part of this underground brotherhood that's trying to overthrow Big Brother and recruits uh-huh. Winston. And then the next day, Winston gets arrested for thought crimes against the government because O'Brien was actually faking. He's part of the inner ring of the government. So then they sense. take Winston to the Ministry of Love, which is basically prison, and they torture him and torture him until like the brink of death and O'Brien says uh, we don't kill people until they totally submit to Big Brother and then at the very end Winston finally submits to Big Brother and says I love Big Brother and then they don't kill him they just let him go back into the world Yep. Well, right, of course, be- because it serves their agenda. They have one more person saying, yay, the government's but good. But they've killed literally everybody else. So maybe there's something more about Winston. The only true form of rebellion is if you die hating the government. Uh-huh. So if, yeah. if you die loving the government, you're not a rebel. So that's like the point of the Ministry of Love was to turn people. So like, it's so it's it's a really 
unsatisfying story. Like the whole time you're thinking like, okay, how's he going to get out of this? It's a very incredibly unsatisfying story. Man, I hate books like that. Yeah. And he has like freaking dumb. And Winston has like visions of the future that it doesn't make sense why he would be having these. But I don't know. But so the cool part, now that I've just been ragging on it. Yeah. The cool part is um, the government uses this form of language called newspeak, which is totally changing the English language so that there are no negatives in it. So instead Uh, of the word bad, it's ungood. And like things like that. I remember that part. Yeah. And so it's really cool because um, if you can't speak it, you can't think it. Like if it's not Mm -hmm. part of your vocabulary. So if there is no negatives in your vocabulary, you cannot think bad things about Big Brother. Ah. So it's complete. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's complete mental manipulation through language. And so that's one really cool aspect of it is how they do that. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, that's 1984. I would really love someone to do a remake and I actually might do it myself of called 2084 where it's like updated (laughs) and, and actually good. (laughs) Yeah. You think you're going to take a shot at novelization? Yeah. Well, or like a short story script or something. Uh huh. So anyway, like do, so can you just make a gears? Can you just make a gears movie? No, shut up. No, get out of here, soup. Please, you're in timeout for ten minutes. No. Okay, so yes. that's 1984. He also wrote another Whoa. kind of accompanying piece called Animal Farm. Yeah, what's what's um, that? So it is. All the main characters are animals, and it is a direct mirroring, um, like fairy tale about the Russian Revolution. Okay, that back like, in the early twentieth century. Actually, yeah, actually happened. And I know basically nothing, essentially nothing about the Russian Revolution. Yeah, I know very and little about it. And that is proven because until I read this book, I did not know there was a Russian Revolution. What? You didn't know anything about it? No, dude, I'm terrible at history. <laughs> but okay. after reading this book, I fully understand it. So I highly recommend Animal Farm. It's really short. I I actually listened to him on audiobook, and it's only three discs. So it's really short. It gets to the point with everything. Mm -hmm. It's a nice story, and you can read it through and then go back and study the Russian Revolution, and everything parallels it. It's incredible. That's cool. So, uh, so that's it for Geekdom. That's it for Geekdom, huh? Yep. Do you have any idea what you're going to do next week? Uh, no, we can talk about it at the end. Okay. All right, cool. so let's move on to film and TV. Dan, what do you got for us? Uh, as I said last week, we're going to talk about Star Wars Rebels <laughs> for this week's episode of... How is that remotely funny, Soup? Uh, don't worry about how Soup thinks it's funny. He's just an idiot. No, it, it was You don't Dylan. need to explain. Don't worry, it was Dylan. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> All right, so Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Um, I've watched none for, of this. All right. Same. For those of you that don't know, a.k.a. everyone else on the podcast right now, Star Wars Rebels is an animated series it follows a small group of, I believe it's five main characters. Let me pull them up right now. Ezra Bridger, uh, Kanan Jarrus, Hera Syndulla, Sabine Wren, and Gera Zeb, a.k.a. Zeb Aurelios. Great, I forgot all of those names already. That's all right. So I remember Ezra. <clears throat> yeah, the important thing... Uh, Kanan is a former Jedi. So he was a Jedi Knight before uh, Order 66, obviously. He witnessed the uh, the 
end of his Jedi Master at Order 66. So he was around. He's a full-fledged Jedi Knight. How old is he? Um, he appears to be in his probably 30s. Oh, yeah, I guess there's not much time between 3 and 4, is there? No, mm-hmm. um... Well, 3 and 4, there's 19 years. Yeah. But, um, it's not entirely clear when Rebels takes place. It's assumed that it's roughly 10 years after... Episode 3, because as far as we can tell, Ezra, who is relatively young, he seems to be in his teens, um, he has known the Empire pretty much his entire life. Yeah, and but we know for sure it's before Episode 4. Yes, it's definitely before Episode 4. Um, the Ghost, which is the ship that uh, they run all of their missions through, uh, the ghost does actually appear in the battle outside of. Uh, yep. Is it Scarif? It's not Scarif. Scarif. Is it Scarif? Scarif. Yeah, outside yeah. of Scarif, um, in. Rogue One. In Star Wars Rogue One. Yep. Or rather, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, <clears throat> so it is. It is known that they take part in that battle some way. It's it's assumed that the series will kind of build to that and the fate of the crew in that time. So great. I love it. Uh, Kanan, Hera, Sabine and Zeb are a team first and they kind of come across Ezra on his home planet. Um, they're running a mission and Ezra, uh, unintentionally interferes with it. They, they're going after the same cargo, basically, and he steals their targeted cargo. cargo. <clears throat> um, so that's how they cross paths, and Kanan discovers that Ezra is Force-sensitive. So he's going to train um, him? Yeah, so, so he is training Ezra in the ways of the Jedi. <clears throat> um, they're in their third season right now um they've gone through 15 episodes and the next episode airs on february 18th which is a week from recording right now that is a saturday oh great so it's perfect Um, timing for this episode yes um so um a few of the highlights that i will cover from the series so far that they've covered. Um, They introduced... um, the... kind of legendary character from Star Wars Legends, um, which is Admiral Thrawn. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of people that have read a lot of the Star Wars Legends books. I remember the Thrawn trilogy. I've read that. Yeah, that one's really good. Yeah, he's basically a legendary um, strategist in the Star Wars universe, in the Empire. Uh, He's one of the few alien races to rise to such a high rank in the Empire. Mm -hmm. I know Um, that Krennic was actually rumored... To be Thrawn, like back in the earlys of Rogue One. Right, yeah, his character was rumored, but uh, but he did not end up in Rogue One. Um, so, he has appeared in Season 3, and uh, we're witnessing his effect against the Rebels right now. Um, the rebel, the rebels are still in factions. They haven't really formed together in any massive rebellion yet. So, so it's just kind of like pockets of people fighting back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really, it's really secular, and there's no clear like single leadership. They kind of work on their own and will communicate between each other, but. It's not really fully organized yeah. yet. 
So with Thrawn and kind of <laughs> like with the series overall, I know that with the extended universe now retitled Legends, there is a lot of story that takes place within those years. Yeah. So with Thrawn and even just overall story, how much is Rebels taking from the books and and what are they doing on their own? So like is Thrawn just a name or is he actually like they're taking what happened from the books with him? Thrawn is more just a name than anything else. They take his sort of uh, calculating ruthlessness from the books into account. But a lot of his other stuff, uh, like I remember one of his, th- his big things was um, collecting art pieces from other races and other worlds. He, it's referenced that he does that in Star Wars Rebels, but they don't really show it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thrawn, from the books I remember, he also takes place after the events of Episode Six. Oh, really? So they changed yeah. timelines, too, for Yeah. Him. I mean, granted, he would have been an admiral in that timeline, because oh, otherwise right. he would have never risen to a high enough rank, because in the books... In the Legends, uh, he basically takes over the remnants of the Empire. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, it's basically like the essence of the character and yes. some character traits of, from him. Yeah, they don't really draw anything else that's been written in the books from him except for the character traits and like really the core aspects of the character. Mm-hmm. Um. I like what they're doing so far. He's done a lot of stuff that has countered the rebels in their moves. And they're currently building towards a big confrontation between the rebels and Thrawn right now. He's zeroing in on um, the ghosts um, sort of pocket of resistance on their main base. Um, in addition to that, uh, like I mentioned, Kanan is training Ezra. He's gotten to the point that he's already built his own lightsaber, so he's becoming fairly advanced as a Padawan learner. Um, and we have also had confrontations with Vader. Oh, nice. Um, does James Earl Jones still voice him? I don't believe so. It is not James Earl Jones, I know that uh, much. That's probably um, an easy voice to duplicate, though. Yeah, especially for animated. Yeah. For for those who have watched through all of the Clone Wars, you will be familiar, or even just any of the Clone Wars uh, for the animated series, you'll be familiar with Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, uh, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. She does make an appearance in season two of Star Wars Rebels. Um, It's revealed that she's one of their, like, uh, secret sources for information, and she she comes forward eventually when she learns that there are Jedi on the team, and she assists them, and we're gonna get into spoilers here. It does lead to a confrontation with Darth Vader. He he learns that they've got Jedi, and he goes to a known world that they're going to be uh, engaging to, yeah. to confront them. Does Vader and fight Ahsoka? Vader si- fights Ahsoka. Ooh. And she does not know that it's Anakin at first. She refuses okay. to believe, you know, there have been, there's rumors and stuff that Anakin is Vader, but she refuses to believe them until she's fighting him and she senses that it's her former master. Yeah. And there's kind of that moment where she realizes it and Anakin knows that she knows and there's this just moment in in that fight where it's kind of like you can feel Ahsoka's heart break. Yeah, and then she and, dies. 
Yes. Um, it's oh, in really? A, I just guessed that. No, she does. <laughs> it's, it's in a... Uh, it's in a Sith temple that uh, they went to try and figure out how they could defeat the Inquisitors mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that were hunting down Kanan and Ezra. And uh, they pull out the like Sith holocron and it causes the temple to start collapsing. And Vader and Ahsoka are in the midst of battle and she basically says... You guys go. I I will hold him here. And That's the awesome. temple the temple collapses on them as they're fighting and Ezra and Kanan get on the ghost. Or it might have been the Phantom, which is like their like scout ship that attaches to the ghost. They get on their ship and they kinda like look back at the at the rubble and Ezra's like, No, we can't leave her and the rubble starts to move, and you see Vader using the Force to lift the rubble from atop himself, and they just go, knowing that Ahsoka's dead. That's awesome. That seems like a sweet scene. It was really, really good. Um, Obviously, it was kind of sad, because I've seen all of the Clone Wars saga... And so you kind of grow attached to Ahsoka, despite the fact that she says Artui all the time, and R2 is short enough, like, you don't need to add any (laughs) other syllables on. Yeah. Um, How does she even fit in with Star Wars? Like, why is she there? It's, It's really interesting to try and understand what they were going for, because... It's well established in the movies that Anakin was not granted the rank of master. So you would not think that he was given a Padawan learner. Yeah. But it's also never established in the movies that only masters have Padawans. Padawans refer to their teacher as their master, but it's not established that a master is the only one that can teach a Padawan. So a Jedi Knight could teach a Padawan. That's true. But, like, why... <clears throat> she's not in 3. Uh, she's not in 3 because in the events of of the Clone Wars saga, spoilers, um, Ahsoka is actually framed for murders breaking the Jedi Code. Oh. And... Uh, the Jedi Council investigates and they de- they find out that she is not guilty of them. But she feels betrayed because they would not take her word for it and she decides to leave the Jedi Order. Fair enough. So Ahsoka, basically in three and then the years leading up to her appearance in Rebels... She's abandoned the Jedi Order, making her not a target of Order 66. Ah, and right. she's just kind of been living out on her own, probably doing some, like, vigilante-type work, but for the most part, just in in seclusion, not really being known as a Force user. Yeah. So, um, where yeah. do you think this is going? Like, let's let's talk about the overall... Star Wars universe. Well, I think obviously one of the things that they're going to have to build up to is their appearance in Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, It can be assumed that the ghost is probably one of the casualties in the battle over Scarif. uh, Because how else are you going to explain that they never appear in four, five, or six. Yeah, and I think that's an incredible Easter egg, having that ship in yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, and, and it's now, so hard to catch just yeah. watching the movie. And that can be the series finale now. Exactly. Like, yeah. the building to the Battle of Scarif, and so you see the battle that you've already seen in Rogue One, and it's incredible, and now you see it from the angle of... Of the crew of the Of ghost. the crew, yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's an incredible idea. Yeah, they set it up perfectly that the series can build to this battle over Scarif 
and it all kind of sums up nicely. Like there's there's no but what ifs. It's yeah. It's that's what happened. It's already been established. Because Star Wars um, has taken the same approach to universe building that Marvel has, where yes. there's the movies and there's the TV shows, and they take place in the same universe. But Star Wars is actually acknowledging cross pl- like cross medium. Yes. Where, where with Marvel, it's like the, the TV shows are do never not acknowledge the TV. The, yeah. But the TVs will reference the movies. Yes. But now you get references in the movies from the TV shows. Like Saw Gerrera was yes. brought from cartoons to the movies. The ghost yep. he is first appeared in the movie. In, yeah, Saw Gerrera first appears in an episode of the Clone Wars saga. Yeah. And the ghost appears in Rebels. Like, yeah. That's so brilliant because it's a just great job. it's planting these seeds in a like for the t- for TV it's planting seeds in the movies and for yeah. the movies it's planting seeds in TV which creates this entirely cohesive universe. I think one of the greatest things that they're doing in Rebels is setting up Kanan and Ezra because something has to happen to eliminate them. And I don't feel like them being on the ship over Scarif is enough, is like a good enough end for them. I feel like it's the perfect build to one of the greatest Vader confrontations we could hope for. Mm. Because, like, uh, I said on an earlier episode, I think the first episode of the podcast, I said that I had an idea for what they could do for a Vader solo film. Oh, right. And um, one of the things someone has said is if you make Vader the main character, you take away his monster characteristic, his his just foreshadowing like you if if he's a main character you don't look at him as a monster he's just a beast in the shadows you think vader looks in the mirror and go and practices luke i'm your father shut up sir no he says (laughs) Um, it once but do you think he practices by the way he says no i am your father not luke i am your father but do you think he practiced no i don't shut up so we already answered your question um (laughs) So my, so like, it's, it's just like Freddy movies and Jason movies. They don't follow Freddy Krueger and Jason. They follow the people he's killing. Yeah. So you set it up that way. You set it up where Ezra and Kanan live action are the main characters. And it is an, it is a movie about them being hunted down by Vader. You think they would actually do it? Or this is it's, just hoping? It's iffy. Like, I don't know if they would actually do it. Um, but it could work with, with not just Ezra and Kanan. They could do it um, before Ezra and Kanan. They could do it before Rebels in the first ten years of the Empire. Um, and show... Like just because, Vader wrecking the yeah, remaining Jedi. Yeah, because there's there's the comics and there's legends books that talk and show Vader hunting down Jedi that survived Order sixty six. So there's plenty of actual material to draw from for that being a Vader movie, and everyone would watch it because that's what people want to see: Vader earning his reputation. Oh yeah. yeah. Because, like, we we all know Vader is a terrifying badass because we've seen him. But in the Star Wars universe, we don't know why the whole galaxy knows Vader is not someone to be trifled with. Yeah, like, I've told you guys before that, to me, Vader has always just been this clunky dude with a red lightsaber. And I was always like, what... Like, why is he so menacing until Rogue One One, when he just unleashes? And I'm just like, this is the Vader that we all knew but never got. Exactly. So glorious. So to wrap up this segment, I'm just going to give you 
on an idea of the first ep- of the first scene of what my Vader film would be. We open a lot like Rogue One opens with just a kind of secluded hut and we see an Imperial ship flying in. But instead of this time it being one Imperial ship, we see TIE fighters flying in with it. So we see them fly in and it lands and out comes a battalion of stormtroopers. And out of the hut a virgin just emerges one man and he says I knew this day would come and out comes a lightsaber he then fights off 20 stormtroopers kills them all the main imperial ship opens and slowly emerges Vader and out comes his lightsaber and that's that's the end of the first scene. The movie. And and <laughs> and open and in come the credits. <laughs> and it it just sets up the film for Vader just hunting yeah. down Jedi. But I th- I think for the sense of the Star Wars universe, it should be the guys from Rebels. I think that would be amazing. It it would work better. It would work better to have a movie about Vader hunting them down. Okay, let's do this. They do the seer the series finale of Rebels is the Battle of Scarif. Mm-hmm. They survive, but then after that they do a movie between four and five. In in the half hour? <laughs> no, between four and five. Oh, four and five. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Not between Rogue One and Not Rogue. between okay. Rogue One and no, Vader just in that half hour he goes he hunts down a couple Jedi and then he catches back up with Leia. You guys go hunt down that ship. I've got a couple of Jedi to track down. I'll get right back with you. Seems like he's not on the ball today. Okay. okay. Well okay. Dan, that's some great insight. Really great ideas. Uh, so that is film and TV. That's film and TV for this week. For this episode. Let's move on to sports. Dylan, sports. take it away. All right. So, since, you know, the Super Bowl just wrapped up, uh, baseball hasn't started. Yeah, that, 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 no, that big football game, that, that that's over that now. Oh, you mean that on? thing that might have been, like, the greatest football game ever played? Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. That one. That one, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so that's over. Baseball hasn't started yet, so... Yeah. For sports right now, we pretty much just have uh, basketball and hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hockey. So I thought about what I'm going to talk about. There's not really any good stories out of hockey right now. Uh, can I interject on Shut this up, one? Shut up, Soup. No. I've got one, though. No one cares. No. It's this a isn't good your segment. story. All right. Let it's not him, your segment. Let him say his thing, and then we'll vote on whether it's good or not. What is it about? Columbus Blue Jackets. Don't no care. No, oh, no one cares. Look at how good they're doing. Dylan, go ahead. He's ruining my segment. No, no, no. He's been voted out. All right. Dylan, so, your stuff. There's not very many good stories in hockey, but there are a bunch of really funny stories in the NBA. <laughs> you mean like the NBA? It's just, <laughs> it's just becoming a giant shit show. Like, yeah, that's much. it. Uh, like my favorite one right now, well, besides the Bulls, like that's a given now. <laughs> it's a dumpster because, fire. Because it's gotten to the point now with the Bulls that Garpax just doesn't care it's what any of the fans do. Dude, Garpa- Garpax is keeping his job. That's a, that's a huge thing. realize Garpax is two guys, right? Oh, yeah. Gar Foreman and uh, John Paxson. <laughs> yes, they are. They're both keeping their jobs. <laughs> nope, they just molded into one just man molded now. one person that kept his job. <laughs> but, Listen, anyway. we only have enough room for one of you, so we're going to combine you, and that's how you're going to keep your job. We're going to sew you together at the hip. Is how me and Dylan are going to do this sports segment here. It's like a perpetual three-legged race. Yay. All right, so what what are some of these stories? Well, my favorite one is the feud that's going on between LeBron James and Charles Barkley currently. Oh, my gosh. Why? Well, it's funny. uh, They've been – the. Cleveland Cavaliers have been kind of struggling the last couple months. So, of course, uh, the NBA, all the NBA analysis are gonna, analysts are going to talk about it. And what happened is someone asked Charles Barkley about it, and he goes, 
they asked him about uh, LeBron complaining about uh, losses, this and that. And Barkley says it's inappropriate, whiny, all of the above. Barkley continues, yes. the Cleveland Cavaliers, they've given him everything he wanted. They have the highest payroll in NBA history. Fact. He wanted J.R. Smith last summer. They paid him. Fact. He wanted Iman Shumpert last summer. They brought in Kyle Korver. He's the best player in the world. Does he want all the good players? He don't want to compete. He is an amazing player, and they are the defending champs. That was the end of his quote. But And then uh, James has to retaliate. He originally retaliated with, no, he's not going to say much because that's just always been his style. No, he yeah. never really says much, which I understand. No, people are going to talk crap about you. Know, just kind of let it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, apparently this time he's just had enough. Right. So <laughs> Great. So, so LeBron responds, I'm not going to let him disrespect my legacy like that. I'm not the one who threw somebody through a window. I never spit on a kid. I never had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. I never said I'm not a role model. I never showed up to All-Star Weekend on Sunday because I was in Vegas all weekend partying. All I've done for my entire career is represent the NBA the right way. 14 years, never got in trouble, respected the game. Print that. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'll How do you give fit that, that into a tweet? <laughs> no, that wasn't a tweet. This was an actual conversation yeah, uh, with okay. a reporter. He, he straight up said And I'll give him this. Like, he really has represented the NBA the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he could have totally screwed it up and been, you know, just a yeah, pain like in what, everyone's ass. I mean, yeah, what bad things have you heard about him besides the decision? The, court. Yeah, the only the, thing that he's done wrong was the decision, and that's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. He's, he's good off the court. Yeah. Prick on the court. But then, oh, he's fine on the court. But then, of course, no. Once you have that, we again we have to go back to Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, and Barkley, Barkley and Barkley in an interview with uh, Waddle and Sylvie, who uh, work for ESPN Chicago, uh, said, "I stick by what I said. I'm not going to make this personal. He was all whiny last week. I'm good and I'm straightforward. I'm never going to get personal on an NBA player." Then when then when he was asked if James crossed the line by bringing up all his stuff from when he played, he goes, "I was laughing. Clearly, he did some homework." He Googled me and found some things. He was young when I was playing, so I appreciate that. But I'm not upset about it. My criticism was fair, and I'm good with that. So Barkley really just doesn't care what no. LeBron thinks. Yeah. And my thing is, he's right. Yeah. Like, LeBron, since he rejoined the Cavaliers, and even during his time with the Heat, was always sitting there going, no, I need this guy, I need this guy, I need this guy. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. a never-ending circle with him. Like, it doesn't matter who he gets. He's not happy with it. Because if they don't win as much as he thinks they should, he's like, oh, no, it's this guy. we got to get rid of him and get this guy. They are literally mm-hmm. giving him everything. They've given him free reign of the team. He's basically yeah, the assistant basically, GM. Yeah, they basically Jeez. gave him uh, Chip Kelly's contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's basically the assistant GM at this point, and who, he's still complaining about everything. So who, he just needs their, to shut up because – Who's their coach, Tyron Lou? Yep. No, yeah, he's I'm basically sure it's LeBron no, James. No, it's LeBron he, James. It is. He's basically <laughs> telling Tyron, move. I all you do is dress up in a suit. I'm the real coach. Chill. I'm the captain now. I I who could be? I'm the captain now. <laughs> but, basically. And, um, I mean, it's just this never ending thing with him, and I'm really sick of it. And the argument I that always comes up is uh no, with like the older players like Jordan and Barkley and them. They always said, no, it's not like we called each other and like, hey, we should all get on the same team so we can win a bunch of championships. They wanted to compete against each other. And for me, it just doesn't seem like he wants to compete. Yeah. yeah. Like, he just wants... He wants he, the championships. He, he want, doesn't want there to be any obstacles to get to. Yeah, it's and that's why he's him, basically though. created the best team in the East. It's not just oh, him. Yeah. It's Katie and Curry. Well, yeah, it's all it's of them. It's the whole like, league. That's, that's the culture of the whole league now. We don't right. want to compete. We just want to make three create, or four really good teams, yeah, and that's create it. Create super teams. I mean, truth be told, for the gold. But if we're if we're talking about the superstars creating super teams, I think we have to look at the Spurs and just look at the way Greg Pop uh, Pops has you no know, coached his team to be great. Regardless yeah. of who the hell they have, yeah, he's yeah. done it the right way. He goes, yeah, all right, whoever you get me, I'm going to find a way yeah. to make it work. Yeah. I remember watching but the Spurs, not... and they, they literally passed the ball six, seven, maybe eight times and passed up good shot, good shot, good shot, and then got a layup. Yeah. That's because they're an old team, though. That, they were, no, that was with Kawhi Leonard. They're an they, old-school they team. They do the fundamentals, whereas these teams like Golden State 
And Cleveland, you know, it's just, hey, let's get all the talented guys on the court at the same time and just yeah, see what holy happens. Holy crap. Golden State knocks down those three-pointers. Oh, God, yes, they it's do. Insane. It's insane. It's a disgrace to basketball because now you have <laughs> people like LaMelo Ball, who's uh, Lonzo Ball's younger brother, who Dropping put up 92, 92 in a yeah. high school game. By straight cherry picking the entire game, he's now you have. He literally pointed to a spot at half court and said, "I'm going to make this." Shot it and swished it, which Jeez. is a disgrace to basketball. But it's damn impressive. Oh, cool. But like, <laughs> but that's a, it's, it's a straight up disgrace. You're just. Mad I think you can't that, do it, that that's a conversation it's, to have though, because like when you introduce the three point line. Like, if you can just shoot threes all day, why don't you? Like, why right. isn't if, that basketball? If like, you that's... know, if you're Steph Curry and you know I'm going to hit 60% of the threes I take, holy crap, yeah, take them. Yeah. Like, it's not going to – if your team is good at offensive rebounding, it's not going to hurt you if you're taking those threes. Yeah, so, like, my, my alma a- mater, Greenville, it's this tiny little college down in southern Illinois, but they are averaging – 140 points a game. Right. They have, yeah. they have yeah. statistically. No, no defense. They statistically have the highest paced offense. Are you talking in, about or statistically? Off, are you what? talking about adjusted offense per game or no, no, no. actual no, points so per just game? Just let me talk. They average 140 points a game. They statistically have the highest pace of game in the world of Every single team in the world, they play the fastest game because literally all they do is shoot threes, don't play defense, and then shoot another three. So they've scored like 190 points in a college game, but their opponents score like 150. Yeah. No. For what? What game did they score 190 points in? I, you can look it up. Just, There's like look I, it up. I, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look They're it up right averaging now. 140-ish. Good. He'll be quiet for a few minutes. Shut then. up. So, like, if you can do that, why don't you? Just get exactly. rid of the big guy, get well, five guys that can shoot threes, and you just you run up to the board on people. Well, it's the same concept as when you implement any kind of new scheme into sports. Like, uh, with football, they added the shotgun formation. Right. And it completely changed the game. Now you don't have to have worry about your quarterback dropping back to throw. He's already five yards back. He's with, set up ready to go, which means a quicker release. With a call yeah. back to last week's episode, we talked about the Patriots only losing. Uh, it's actually two times they have lost the division in the past 15 years or 17, 17 years. They lost to the Jets in 2002 and the Dolphins won it in 2008. That was the year Dylan pointed out that the uh, Dolphins introduced the Wildcat to the NFL. Yes. Oh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins went 11 and 5. Guess what? The Patriots also went 11 and 5 that year, and they missed the playoffs. This is how flawed the NFL playoffs are that the Patriots missed it at 11 and 5. Oh my um, God! Okay, Austin, I believe you. Example. They put up a hundred and seventy-eight against Lincoln Christian. Yeah. They won a hundred seventy-eight to a one, a hundred twenty-five. That's three hundred and three combined points. Yeah, Good because Zoop. Oh my God! Because they're only shooting threes. They have five shooting guards, and then don't play defense. <laughs> granted, they, granted, they just got beat by uh, the St. Louis Millicans. Wait, no, that was November fourth. So Which like they got beat 124, 124 to eighty five. So you it doesn't matter. Soup. We could go through their whole schedule. It I doesn't mean, matter right now. When when you shoot nothing but threes, you're gonna have some bad games. Exactly. Not everyone is Steph Curry every game. Right. Yeah. Even Steph Curry has bad game shooting from. They three. just yeah. But so like, like is. I mean, they beat you shooting threes. 149 to 146. No one cares. Soup, shut up about you their schedule. You didn't care five minutes ago. Put your now phone away. Nobody cares about every single score of every single game. Oh, yeah. Anyways, the point is, when in sports, when you introduce a new scheme, it's those teams that introduce it are going to be dominant for at least one year because other teams are going to have to learn how do we – put up with it how do we combat it how are we going to defend against this scheme and with golden state they're so good steph curry is so good at shooting threes it doesn't matter when you put the press on him he's going to pull up and he's going to make a freaking three yeah 
Or if you put a yeah. taller guy on him, he's just going to drive by, go to the lane, just put up some ridiculous floater that somehow falls in. Yeah. That too. Or he'll just kick back to the three-point line because some guy's got to help off, and then you get an open three. And that's going to get knocked down by Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or or Draymond Green is, or someone else. Personal feeling, so, LeBron James is just really upset that he didn't sign with Golden State instead of signing with Cleveland. True. Like, just... <laughs> okay, so how do we then go from the guys like Barkley and MJ and Shaq and Magic and Larry Bird from the fundamental basketball to the circus that the NBA is now, as evidenced by this LeBron Barkley feud? I think Kobe is a really good example of the bridge there because Kobe was good at fundamentals, but he could also do all that circus shit. Like His fadeaway took, was legit picturesque. Yeah, he Michael took the Jordan. crazy shots and he made the crazy shots. It is and he made it prime. all about him. Yeah. I think, I think Kobe is the perfect example of the bridge player between Charles Barkley and his group of players and our current group of NBA players, LeBron and the gang that are the superstars. It's when it started to move away from a team sport. I truly, I truly think that Kobe Bryant is the last true competitor in the NBA. Like, yes, because the last Jedi, he he really did not care about joining up with anybody. And he's friends with a lot of really good players. No. Yeah. He was faithful to mm -hmm. the Lakers. uh, Oh yeah. He stayed with Lakers. He had tons of opportunities to leave. There were times that it was reported he demanded trades, but he just never left. He wanted to play there. He wanted to stay there. He was making good money. I mean, might, he might as well just keep rocking out and see what he can do. And they were getting him garbage draft picks year after year. Yeah. Like, just putting out garbage on the those, floor. Kobe is clearly last, your like, best player. Not even, years? Like, not even, like, close. Yeah, those last, like, six years in L.A., oh, yeah, he had nothing around him. Oh, God, it was terrible. But yet he just kept persevering, kept going. He stuck with the team. And I, I respect him for that. Yeah. He could have gone to somewhere like OKC and played with Durant and Westbrook, or he could have gone to Miami and hooked up with LeBron. Or he could have gone to the Spurs. Could have gone to the Spurs, could have gone to Golden State, could have gone pretty basically anywhere. Could have gone to Houston, teamed up with James Harden. Like Mm -hmm. he had so many options, so many chances, and he never took it. He always wanted to stay with LA and he wanted to just keep playing there. But the mentality that Kobe had is how he ended up now with the like everything on me, look yeah, at me. I'm, I'm number one. Mm-hmm. Build it around me. That that is true. I mean that that's what I was talking about with the bridge player. Because yeah. He's Michael a- Jordan was clearly the superstar oh. of the Bulls in the nineties. But the you don't hear anything yeah. about about MJ saying, Hey, I want you to sign this player. I want you to draft this player. I want My, you yeah. to do this. Michael I did, want that. Michael did not care who was on the team with him. No. He was going to try and win the game himself. Exactly. I mean, if no talk, matter what. I mean, just look at the stories you hear from teammates out of practice. I mean, didn't he fight with Scottie Pippen? He fought with uh, Steve Kerr. Yeah. yeah. In practice, and actually punched Steve Kerr in the face. In actual practice. Like, we're talking about practice, yeah. not a game. He also practice. would full on dive for the ball, like into the stands. If there yeah. was a loose ball, he would full on dive into the stands to save it. And yeah. it's like, dude, it's practice. You're going to get yourself hurt. He's like, I don't care. I'm here to compete. If I'm not pushing myself every day, I'm not going to get any better. Like, you don't see guys like that anymore. Like, Jimmy Butler's a guy who's kind of on that level. Yeah. Because, like, the dude turned off TV and internet and everything for six months and did nothing but play basketball. And lift. That's basketball. Yes. He is old school basketball. Like the dedication to shut everything off for six months and do nothing but basketball. Look, I that is old school basketball. But then you got LeBron James worried about what Charles Barkley is saying about him rather than focusing on his game and more worried about who he like bringing other people in to try and make him look good. Truth be told, LeBron. 
is in a situation in which he's not going to make anyone happy. If he doesn't say anything, people are going to be saying, oh, why doesn't he need to defend himself? If he does say anything... He doesn't have to defend himself. He plays his game. That's how he defends himself, is he plays his game. People are still going to say that, why doesn't he defend himself? Why doesn't he say anything in retaliation? MJ never had to say anything in retaliation. He went on the court and showed you why he was the best. Here's what he can say. Look at how I play. If you tell me I'm not putting everything on the court, then okay, we'll talk about that. But if it's not on the team, then that's a different story. If I'm putting everything I can into what I'm doing, then no one can say anything to me. That's how he defends himself. That should be how LeBron defends himself. My final thought on this, and I've said it for years, the best players will never retaliate to negative things said about them. They will step on the court and show you why they are the best. Fair enough. Court, field, it doesn't matter. In any sport, if you are the best at what you do, look at a guy like Derek Jeter. A lot of people said he was slipping when he got older. He went out there and had a... He's had damn good year after damn good year. The dude ended his career on a walk-off hit. Exactly. You can't talk crap about that. Tom Brady. David Ross. Tom, David Ross. Tom Brady. Dylan's not a fan, but Tom Brady in the fourth quarter and overtime. Yeah. When was the last time you heard Tom Brady talk shit to anybody? Never. Tom Brady yeah. doesn't say anything to the Tom media. Tom Brady, he just wears a Make about. America. He Brady doesn't talk. Head. He just wins Super Bowls. That's yeah. all he does. Except when he's playing, you know, Eli Manning. Except <laughs> when he's playing the derpy younger brother of Peyton Manning. Third, after the ball down the field, he is, he is somehow the giant killer, Eli Manning. We he's all Brady's love him. Bane. the Patriot Slayer, oh. Brady's Bane. <laughs> Eli Manning. Manning. We all Eli love Eli. freaking Manning. <laughs> well, Dylan, do you have we anything else? You. Yeah. Um, oh, one more thing real quick that okay. is another reason why the NBA is a shit show. They've yeah. now told teams that their social media accounts cannot have Twitter wars. <laughs> and they will be subject to fines if that's the case. Oh, that's my so ridiculous. Gosh. And I thought it was really funny because the Atlanta Hawks and Sacramento Kings played in the game the other night, and they went back and forth with saying really nice things about the other team. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I incredible. I have it on my own Twitter. I retweeted it. Uh, it's it's just absolutely hilarious because at one point they're like, "Oh, you guys are doing really well. Uh, you know, don't worry, you you guys can come back. We feel it coming." <laughs> is that what we have devolved to? Is just saying nice things to each other? It's, yeah, it's pretty much sarcastic. It's pretty much sarcastable. Yeah. Thick sarcasm oh is what it is. It is but... sarcastable. Uh, it was, it right. was just hilarious and it brightened my day. <laughs> well, uh, Dylan, well, thank I you for that, that sports section. Sports. Yes, hey, no problem. I'm here to help. All right, you guys. So um, we didn't talk about this before, but I think you guys will be okay with this. Uh, Because of the events of this last Friday of Infinity War starting production. Oh, yes. I think that we can take the time to combine Geekdom and film and TV next week to spend a good 40 minutes talking about this. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't know if 40 minutes is going to be enough. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe we could turn it into a sport somehow. Um, um, Chris Pratt is a Seattle Seahawks fan. It falls in. There we go. Chris uh, Evans is a Patriots Chris fan. Evans is a Patriots All right, well, we'll see there, what happens, but we will dedicate next week no less we than 40 minutes. Big, no less. Big segment on Infinity Wars, definitely. All right. Well, so that does it for this week. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, you guys can, those listening at home, you can contact us. We have an email at theshakedownpodcast at gmail.com. I realized that we forgot to do all these plugs last week. Sure did. <laughs> so we're we're new at this. Yes. You can email us at theshakedownpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Shakedown Podcast. We also have a Twitter. You can tweet at us at theshakedownpod. And we also have a brand new website, or at least yes. part of a website. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, on my new website, so you can find that at darknebulaentertainment.com, and it is in the Shakedown Podcast tab. You can find all episodes and about the podcast, and we'll probably put some other material in there. I'm trying. I'm kind of thinking of things that we can do to kind of expand. Yeah. Uh, upon the podcast. Upon the podcast. Sounds good. Um. So that about does it for this week, you guys. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening in. Um, you got a little taste of 
who soup is. I'm really sorry for that, but at least now if he asks to be on it again, we can say, no, you were terrible. He's just the worst type of person. Yes. And now you'll get our references when we talk about soup, because I guarantee we're not talking about food. Soup's ass tacos. Oh, my God. Just wait. Just wait. There are going to be some comments that say, hey, bring soup back on the show. He was kind of funny. There will not be any comments because nobody listens to this. Hold on. Hold on. There will be, this is this. There will be his one, wife, his wife, and that's it. There will be one comment. It will be soup commenting <laughs> on the Facebook page. <laughs> hey, you guys bring that soup guy back. Bring soup He's back. hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. well, I am Austin Stevens. <laughs> I'm Dan Schweizer. I'm Dylan Webster, and I'm Brandon Catches Campbell. A, get out of here, soup! You messed no, up my Andy. Your name is Soup. You're a guest, not a host. <laughs> you will speak when spoken to. <laughs> Command. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the shakedown.